Hello, everyone. Here we are with another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. And I'm Maria. And welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. She's back for Telepractice Part 2. Um, before we get into that, Maria, what are we drinking? We are drinking our fancy rosé from the Wolfer Estate. And it's a 2018, and the grapes are from Argentina. Mm-hmm. And this is one of our top choices for rosé. Yes. So me and Deb definitely vote drink, drink it. it. Definitely mm-hmm. drink it as as we are. And yes. we paired it with a nice mozzarella cheese. I like to <laughs> get all fancy right. with it. <laughs> and we have some cucumbers and we're just, you know, embracing the winter season by having all summery things. Yes. That's we are what, not ready for the winter. No, we, we are not. We are delaying it internally. Correct. Yeah. So uh, Kristen, what are you drinking? Well, I'm quite jealous of what you both have. I'm, you might hear it in my voice. I'm getting over a cold. So I'm drinking hot tea and having some cough drops on the side. Very nice. <laughs> yes, but I'm, I'm writing that wine down. So when, <laughs> I, when I am feeling better. Yeah, and the bottle looks one. great too. So everything about it's good. But this is a special edition of uh, SLP's Tea and Cough Drops. Yes. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> I was actually super sick for the past week. It was the longest I think I've ever been sick. So I feel your pain. I just got, I I usually get lucky. I usually kind of people around me get sick and I usually just keep chugging forward and this time it landed. So I'm finally sounding more like myself today. So I'm glad that this wasn't scheduled a few days ago. Good. Yes. So that worked out. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear you're feeling sick, but glad to hear you're feeling better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Vitamin C it is. Yeah, so let's jump into Absolutely. it. Um, all that telepractice. Um, <laughs> so we talked a bunch about telepractice in part one, and today we want to focus more so on what therapy looks at, like from sign in to sign out, um, activities, partners, you name it. So mm-hmm. um First off, let's talk about early childhood to pre-K um, speech therapy activities. Okay. So I know this is often a question mark for SLPs considering going into telepractice is how they would translate activities. Um, I, will, I will start by saying that uh, when I moved to teletherapy in 2013, several years ago, um, that was one of the surprises to me is really how similar therapy felt to being there in person. Um, so once I kind of got the hang of it and the platform and how I was providing services, um, it, it really was, it was so similar. However, having said that, of course, you're not physically present. And so you're not there to you know, hold the book, to pull out a game board, to have the deck of cards. So, and I think you know, particularly, um, there's a lot of questions around early childhood and preschool with them being so little. And um, I was in, I worked in a preschool setting for many years and spent a lot of time just down on the ground and out in the playground and doing a lot of very interactive things. So to start with, with early childhood, um, one, teletherapy can actually be a really um, a, a great way to provide services, um, especially when you are talking about families. Um, if we're doing in-home services and they live remotely, that's you know I know a lot of early childhood home health providers who've done spend so much time in the car trying to access and get to families. 
So one of the things that we have found is that, and I, I read this and there's been studies around this, is that because the SLP is not physically there with the one-year-old, two-year-old, um, the parents are, they really have to be fully involved in every therapy ah. session. Mm -hmm. So right. um, rather than that being kind of a little bit of a break time or, you know, mom is of course trying to get a million things done during therapy, really the parent has to be present. And so they, they're learning a lot about what that interaction looks like, how they can support, how they can scaffold. Um, but I think that with either early childhood and with preschool, it's really important to remember that you don't have to be tied to the activities that are on the screen. So right. while there are, you know, endless things that can be provided on the screen, it's also really important to remember that de developmentally, early childhood, preschool, um, it might be really important that they are also, that you're also including um, objects and items from the child's environment and you can bring those together so in preschool and not quite as high a level of support is needed as in early childhood but it's still a higher level of support from a paraprofessional or whoever you have working with you at the other end so when I've worked in the preschool setting I've asked my para to gather some items, some favorite objects for the child I'm working with, have a little speech basket next to the computer. And then I might have, for instance, you know, a, I can have the book up on the screen. I can have a picture book and that can be pulled up something I've scanned and it pops up. And so I can turn the pages on the screen. And then there could also be a toy that's related to that book. And so we're talking about vocabulary. So the child is still touching and holding and you know, working on those other senses and bringing in those other objects, but we're also integrating the platform and the visuals on the screen. So that's, that can be a really great approach to working with some of those younger students who, you know, it might be, I mean, some do great, but for others, 20, 25 minutes, just sitting in front of the computer screen, um, they might need something to to touch and hold and manipulate. Right. Um, so their partner, uh, the yeah. person that you have with them on their side, they'll have mm -hmm. some things that they, that they can touch and that they can manipulate. Yeah. And you, yeah. you'll provide instructions to them as mm -hmm. to like how to use those objects or like when to yep. re like increase reinforcement by like giving them exactly. that object after they completed whatever task. Mm -hmm. Got yeah, it. absolutely. So in that situation, it's likely that the support person would have the headset on with the student and they really are integrated into that therapy session. And so, um, some, you know, some preschool students are really highly independent on the computer and there's not as much of that needed, just kind of some supervision. But it's absolutely, I think that I've you know, talked with some new teletherapists who really thought they had to be exclusively using the materials in the platform and I think just, you know, thinking flexibly and think and adapting to the student and how they respond and what's going to stimulate the most language or help their engagement. Um, it's certainly, there's absolutely nothing wrong with bringing in some objects in the environment. So that, that can be part of it. Um, like I said, and I think maybe we discussed before, um, at least in, in the presence learning platform, which is of course what I'm familiar with, um, anything that can be scanned can be uploaded into the platform. So if you have favorite um, game boards, 
I, when I first started, I did used to integrate. I loved using books in therapy mm-hmm. for, with all ages. And so I had probably about 15 or 20 picture books that I scanned and uploaded. And so I could pull them up on the screen, turn the pages. Um, but then the students have the ability to interact using you know, whiteboard tools so that we can circle things. They can put stamps on objects. They can talk about, um, you know, let's find all the words that start with bus sound and pick those out. And so, you know, similar to if you had the activity there on the table and, you know, we're going to use a marker and we're going to make a marker or, you know, a mark every time we see something or we hear a sound or I hear you say a sound. Um, so it's really just translating the same, you know, you're, you're simulating the same thing. You're still working on all those, the same goals, obviously. Um, it's just a different, the materials are in a different format. Um, so, yeah. This sounds similar. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> basically saying, it would start I was, off. Uh, yes, go ahead. I was thinking of like the early childhood to like pre-K. I'm thinking in terms of like a parent having the parent be really like, I guess, facilitating is the correct word. Um, you know, because a lot of times parents might be present in like speech sessions when you're working with younger children. Ha- right. Do you ever run into like how much cueing and modeling, uh, not modeling, but how much cueing or prompting the parent mm-hmm. should give because I know the parents want to help the kid and right. they want. So like, I wonder if you if that's common, you know, similar to the speech therapy in real life, you know, I think <laughs> if you see that too. Similar. Yeah, I think it's very similar. Um, you know, it's, I think always having that conversation with you know, why that's not necessarily helping the child. You know, we want them to have greater independence and we're working toward less, you know, less support and pulling back on the, the levels of um, scaffolding. So we we definitely see that when we do evaluations. And so for right. giving, um, because sometimes we need, if a, if a child we're evaluating either developmentally or, you know, physically is not we can't really trust that they're using a mouse well to indicate an answer. So in our platform, for instance, the mouse shows up as kind of a foam finger. So it's pretty easy to see like what they're selecting. Like if you're doing, um, you know, a receptive task where they have to indicate something by pointing. Um, Oftentimes when I would test my preschoolers, I could tell that they were just taking their finger and like touching the computer screen, right? So that's just like they would with a flip book. I can't see that. So in that case, I would need to work with the parent or the paraprofessional support person to convey to me what they're selecting without prompting the child or without like suggesting what they should point to. So um, that's an important conversation to have prior to the evaluation is how to, how to do that without yeah, giving, giving that level of support that you're talking about. Makes yeah, sense. That makes yeah. sense. So basically, it's just like you could have any any material that you would use in face-to-face speech therapy can be integrated into teletherapy. You can have physical objects that their partner could be using. Then also you can upload stories and use worksheets that you can circle things and stamp. And you can also, like you mentioned, receptively identify things with like a Mm -hmm. finger indicator. So it it does seem, at first I was thinking to myself, like how is teletherapy, practice possible but yeah. you're all you're making it much clearer so yeah. so <laughs> in terms of elementary then um what mm-hmm. type of activities have you seen implemented for that age group so of course elementary you can start 
with most of the students, things can become a little more sophisticated. They're usually able to, well, for one thing, most of, most of the kids that we, that we work with um, are quite technologically savvy um, as yes. far as understanding computers and how to interact. So for most of our students, it is just... Yeah, I have a kid that just keeps trying to buy Blu-rays on my computer every time <laughs> I turn my back. He's like, DVD, Blu-ray, Sony. I'm like, no! Or He's like on my Amazon already. Like, <laughs> like what happened? Purchase yes. apps yes. or something. Yes. yes. Uh -huh. like, we were yeah. on they, they, learned, they learned quickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, as we get older, um, you know, another capability that the platform has is video. So oh, there cool. is, you can upload videos from YouTube. And of course, you know, always important to vet the materials, make sure that you've watched from beginning to end, whatever yeah. you are pulling in. But those commercials, uh, you cannot account for. Some Good of point. Them true. Some it's of them. so annoying. Yeah, it <laughs> is. So, so some, you know, some people have software and I think they take clips, but uh -huh. there's, there's really some great material on YouTube. I mean, I don't know yeah. if you've ever engaged, but there's, you know, social skills and um, phonemic awareness and like, there's just, so there's great, actually, therapeutic tools that you can integrate. Um, and then, of course, there's also just, it's something you can use for a reward. So there's a lot of that, you know, a little one-minute clip of a favorite cartoon character or something like that that you know is really motivating for your student that can be included in, you know, in the queue. And so you can bring that up once you hit your target for the day or whatever it is. So so as the kids get older, I think it's more appropriate to start integrating some of some of those pieces. Um, and then, you know, like I said, any, anything that can be scanned can be uploaded. So it's especially getting into the elementary age and as we're adding more language goals and you are potentially tying those language goals to instruction and the classroom, um, we do much more integrating materials from the classroom. So is there a weekly vocabulary list that you want to be targeting? Um, or a reading passage that you want to pre-teach. So we can work with the teacher, they can email the copy for that week, we can upload it to the therapy room and be working on that as part of the therapy session so that we, are, we do have that connection to the classroom. Um, we that's also great because that's a big yeah. push, you know, when you're working in a school setting, you have to really like align with what you're doing with what the classroom teacher is doing. And some right. people might think it's hard for you at a distance to communicate with the teachers mm -hmm. within that building, but really most communication happens via email, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, file sharing. It, it is, even if you're there in person, because, you know, so often as on-site SLPs, we're in a few different buildings during the week anyway, so a lot of our communication is happening via email. So yeah, it's absolutely still possible and encouraged and in some cases required by the student's goals, you know, that depending on how they're written and if they really are tied directly to standards. Um, so, so there's right. that piece. And we also have a function called TeamWrite in our platform um, that really is so students who like to type or if you're working on written language in any way, um, you can type back and forth and you can edit and really like all of the words, features, functionality. So sometimes that is engaging for students. Sometimes they like that, being able to type back and forth um, with the therapist and with other students. So, um, you know, one of the, the cool features of teletherapy is that you can create groups with students who aren't necessarily in the same physical space. 
So oh, um, like a group it, chat kind of. Yeah. Oh, that's like, like we're oh. here and they have, they just log in. Like what we're doing. Separate video, like what we're doing. Yeah. But they have their own video feed. And so I've seen this happen. I personally have done this, um, for instance, working with students who I was in a, in a smaller district where there just weren't as many um, students. Um, but I had a couple of boys who had fluency goals. Um, mm. And they were similar age, but different buildings. And I really wanted them to, first of all, know that there was somebody else who was also you know, dealing with this, that they weren't the only one because they were the only one in their respective buildings um, with those goal areas. Um, but then we could, you know, they could practice together and work on those fluency en enhancing techniques. And it was pretty cool that they, they were able to do that. We've also, um, are, you know, we'll do that if we need a social skills group and maybe there's a child in a building who really doesn't have peers with similar goals or needing that same thing. And so we can do some of that group creation. So that sounds great because yeah. often you might have a child with a fluency goal and then you have mm -hmm. no one to pair them with. And that's where mm -hmm. telepractice is an advantage because you have access to more people. And then yeah. similarly, when it comes to social skills, Sometimes like right off the bat, just confronting conversation and turn taking in a group is like kind of, I feel like it seems harsh to them and abruptive. So maybe mm -hmm. to like ease into that with a screen and technology is like helpful yeah. to those people who struggle so with social skills. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's like motivating, I think, yeah. for like those like elementary age kids like, oh, I'm on the computer, like that alone, mm -hmm. like they're on the computer, but now they're like seeing like the face and maybe it's also like less pressure especially like you know yeah, that eye contact nice and tip like yeah. like you're intimidating right me right now yeah. you're right <laughs> in my face yeah. i'm gonna take some wine and yeah. take a sip of it i can't even make, take it calm We're down just, oh he's right here <laughs> right? yeah so maybe if you started chatting via video yeah i'll just less. say sitting here yeah. Kristen's way less intimidating than Maria. <laughs> right on her shoulder. I, to hear that. <laughs> I actually have yeah. a question. I know this might be a bit of a ARG kind of question, Ooh. but what about like data collection? Like, can you collect mm -hmm. the data like right on the screen on the side or is it like separate or tell us about that? Yes. So great question. Um, I will, I will say that my, I think my data collection, um, improved or increased uh, when I started with presence learning, uh, really because part of it is that it's part of how we, how our therapists document their time. So they create, they have to complete a full soap note for every student for every session. So, and then in addition to that, we have the capability of doing real-time data tracking. So, so if I was treating SLP and I had my students IEP, I could enter their goals into the platform, the student profile, and then create whatever metrics I wanted to that tie to that goal. And those metrics can be tracked in real time so I can do my data tracking. And then that pulls into the objective portion of the soap note. So um, it's actually easier <laughs> to, yeah. track, to track data. And then you have, um, I, you know, it, it tracks percentages over time. And so when it comes time to progress reporting and IEPs, um, it's pretty easy to pull up those, just the data on the different metrics for goals. So easy and nice to not have the, the piece of the papers and the checklists and, you know, the different things that I would try to manage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough so, in the middle I, of a session yeah. when you have all these other paper things, whether like mm -hmm. a book or questions or a worksheet, and then you have like your data collection, it gets 
to be a lot of stuff. This episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese is brought to you by SLP Toolkit. Hey everyone, this is Deb and I'm here with Sarah and Lisa. Hey ladies. Hi. Of SLP Toolkit and we're breaking down 10 reasons why you need toolkit in your SLP life. Reason number two, you can easily access toolkit from anywhere at any time. This is not a program that's only on your computer. You can be on any computer within your facility and have access to a clear record of therapy services and tons of other features. I've even witnessed Sarah in a hotel room when we've had to travel to present, do Medicaid billing from her hotel room in her pajamas. Not that that's the ideal place to be doing Medicaid billing or uh, having to do any SLP tasks, but hey, it was an option. Yeah. Right. I I hated the idea of like, oh crap, I need to hurry and do something like an IEP, you know, because I waited till the last minute and then you don't have what you need. Well, not anymore. I have everything I need all the time. Well, yeah. the problem, I think with paper anyways, too, is it's so tricky because you may have a good system for managing that paper in general, like you have it all set up, but it never has room for really writing detailed information. You know, it has maybe some room for pluses and minuses and a comment on the activity, but um, di- digital is just so much easier that you're not shuffling folders, wondering where your crap is. I mean, it's just always there when you need it. Right, and you should save the earth and not use paper and instead sign up for free at slptoolkit.com and then when you're finally ready to subscribe, use the promo code wine and cheese all lowercase letters to get $24 off the annual cost of toolkit or your first month break. Yeah, something else that that seems like it might be easier with telepractice is um, something that I often struggle with is um, billing my sessions and Mm -hmm. also especially if um, something happened where I had to deviate from my regular schedule. But you're essentially like clocking in, signing in. So there's just like digital evidence of that occurring. So you probably don't have to do Mm -hmm. that whole like... I saw so and so from nine thirty to ten, and then from ten to eleven, yeah. I saw so and so because like that might populate right. itself because you signed in and signed out. Yeah, so you mean like for Medicaid billing sort of purposes? Um, yeah, so we, you know, we still have to go into and you know a separate system like the Medicaid system um, that a district is using um to log that information but we do have it in the platform so right but you have a digital it's already there yes so it's the scheduled time um and you know for instance if a student was 10 minutes late then we can note that in in the schedule that you know we didn't Mm -hmm. it was only a 20 minute session as opposed to a 30 minute session that day so yes very helps a lot with just the memory and yeah yeah details of all of that yes that's great. And that keeps them accountable for being late. Like I was here. Right. I was logged on. You see? Waiting yeah. for you. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> right. So then moving right along, um, in terms of middle school and high school, uh, what would a speech therapy session look like? Well, I think that what many of us experience, whether you're in person or in teletherapy, is that you start getting into that age and sometimes you have some reluctance around wanting to come to therapy. Um, depending on the student. 
So for, for some students, they actually prefer coming to tell the online therapy um, because it's just going to the computer. It feels a little less stigmatized sometimes than still being pulled out by the SLP. Um, and, you know, of course, that's individual and some students, you know, they're, they're, they're fine either way. Um, but it is nice to have that offering sometimes for the older students that it's just a little bit less, I guess, obvious that they might be receiving some support. Um, <clears throat> but like I said, as, as they get, as they're older, um, you know, still, still all the same tools, but again, probably even more integration potentially of what they're doing in the classroom, um, working with teachers. Um, we can, again, do grouping as appropriate if it's if it is still appropriate that age depending on what they're working on but sometimes we're also moving to a consult model and so we really might be just as you would you know just depending on the student um, the time might be spent checking in with parents and teachers and seeing how things are going in the classroom setting um, it's even possible to observe in the classroom um, we you know, we, the therapy platform, the part of the learning platform is, of course, secure, for, for, for compliant. Um, but what sometimes we will do is use an app called, it's called VC, um, because it's a secure app. It's called, it's a letter V and then S-E-E. So mm -hmm. it's like Skype, but Skype is not secure, a secure platform, at least not the free version. So, for instance, I can coordinate with the, you know, paraprofessional in a classroom or who's supporting speech services and say, you know, I'd really like to observe Johnny giving his speech today um, in the class because we're working on fluency, or I'd like to see how he's interacting in that group setting. I know they're doing some work today. And so you can schedule that, and if she, you know, she, there's iPads or she has an iPhone, um, she can, you know, relatively discreetly go into the classroom setting and with my direction, capture some of the things happening in the classroom. So. Um, that you know, is something we can still integrate um, and sometimes especially at the secondary level might happen more so depending on what we're working on but I say it's always about engaging the students so as the kids get older um, you know making sure that obviously using age-appropriate activities and something can be interesting to them and more challenging and so some of the games that we have can be modified you know, really for any age range interest areas to really personalize um, and so hopefully kept capturing the interests of the kids and, um, you know, and again, they like, oftentimes they like to do some of the more artistic functions of the whiteboard tools and, um, you know, that's motivating for them as opposed to some of the younger kids where, you know, they just want to do stamps or something like that. Right. And I feel like when I, I worked in high school for three years and I loved it so much. Um, I liked it especially because I felt like I was relearning things that were, interesting and complicated enough for me to be interested in like Shakespeare yeah um so I for the most part worked on things that those students were assigned rather than coming up with brand new activities and if I did come up with new stuff it was all reading poems and writing poems which they're all yeah. so emotional so they were really into that right. um so but I that's true it's yeah summer. and we're also doing at the high school level of course a lot of the kids are graduating out of services as they go up in grades, but we might still be really involved with the more moderate, severe needs students. Um, mm -hmm. That's also a population that we work with um, all the time with teletherapy. And 
again, it's that's a model where the support person, the paraprofessional is going to be much more highly involved. And so they might be part of that entire session if we're working with a student who is verbal, um, has an AC device. Mm. In that case, um, we would probably want to send an additional camera that can be trained over the AAC device so that there's the two video feeds of the student and also the device. And so we can see how they're interfacing with that device. So, um, they, some, so sometimes we're doing different setups or we've also <clears throat> might do more of a whole classroom, um, you know, for supporting a mod, you know, a mod severe classroom. Um, then we have had setups where, for instance, they have a smart board up on the wall. And so the therapist, everyone can see the therapist, the paraprofessional, and it can be more almost like you're in the classroom checking on students and talking with the pair about, you know, different, different ways to scaffold and support and um, integrate the AAC devices. So different, yeah. different options along those lines as well. That's great. I actually read in the ASHA leader about the consultative model for like, I think the girl was like 14 years old and she had like um, language impairment and like that consultative model really did. She really did make progress with that. So that's great that you're like able to do it, you know, to, in terms of like during tel teletherapy too. So right. I think that. the great thing about telepractice is that um, several other people are involved, so um, you don't get trapped in that sort of speech bubble. Um, right. Pull-out model. I mean, I love a good pull-out model. Don't I know a lot of people are kind of saying that with a negative connotation, but I love pulling kids out and just getting one-on-one -on -one attention with nobody else bothering. Your goals, yeah, I yeah. Agree. yeah but at the same time, it's like. Um, it's also important. It's I like when the pairs are there and they're watching me because then mm -hmm. I see them in class doing what I do, yeah. and and I don't even have to say anything to them, and they just kind of watch me and they're like, oh, I see how that worked, and then they use that too, um, especially with the device. Yes, so yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it, it is. It's so it's so much more powerful when the people who are supporting those kids every day have a better understanding of really how to support their communication goals. So teletherapy is, is kind of a, a byproduct of teletherapy. Sometimes that's what it leads to um, because it necessitates greater involvement. Oh, do you ever work with um, adults in the rehab setting or is that something outside the scope of telepractice? Um, I don't believe it's outside the scope at all. Um, my experience is in the you know, early childhood through 12, 12 setting, um, because we work with schools specifically. So mm -hmm. I don't have direct um, experience with that. Um, however, you know, you're kind of moving into more of a private pay model with that. And I know that there is um, there, I'm not sure how widespread it is, but many states have parity laws in terms of um, insurance reimbursement that if a certain service, including speech therapy, is covered by an in-person SLP. It also must be covered via telehealth. So um, there's actually, I mean, you know, I think if you, if many insurance, medical insurance programs these days have an option to see a doctor remotely and see a you know, a telehealth practitioner. So it's not, it's not just speech services. Um, it's really across the spectrum of healthcare that there really is a, a big push to um, understand how virtual distance services can be provided. 
great. That's great. Yeah. That's Something else to look into. I look wonder. At that. Mm-hmm. Got all the age groups. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> so um, we often end our episodes with a quote. I don't recall if we did last time. We did. We did. Okay. Yeah, you have another one. I know we're just we're just pumping you for quotes here. Yeah. Or I know. mantras, I anything that you've got. I, know. I don't know that I have one. Shoot, I should have been thinking. That's okay. We kind of like. Yeah, we can use one of ours. Yeah, yeah it doesn't have I'd to love be. To use one of yours. My my quote that I've been thinking to myself recently is. Um, if it can be done, then you can do it. So like if telepractice seems something that's like difficult to you or like something that you really can't wrap your head around, just know there's people who that's their entire job. So yeah, look at this yep. our guest. Kristen. Yeah. Perfect. Quote, Deb. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So I think like, I think about that all the time and I think, you know, if, if, if it can be done, then then you can ask the questions and find the resources, mm-hmm. and and it, yeah. and you can do it. So if this seems appealing to you, then I really recommend just you know taking the next step and investigating it further. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Cheers. And I, and I really encourage. Cheers. I'll cheers my tea. Yeah, your tea. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> yeah, and I I find it you know I I always push back a little bit when I have SLPs who are more skeptical because I really believe that SLPs are some of the most adaptable people on the planet because we have right. to be in our jobs and we work with such a broad range of individuals. And so I I really believe that teletherapy is just adding another tool to your toolkit. Um, and it's really sharp. I think it sharpens your therapy skills because sometimes you do have to think of things a little bit differently. Um, and that is usually a good thing. I think when we're expanding our you know, in whatever we're doing. So hey, I agree that if you if you're interested, then absolutely it's it's very doable and many people have made the made the transition or do it part time or whatever it is and absolutely love um being able to work from home and providing services in this model. I like it. I mean that that right there is motivation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know? Well thank you so much for joining yes, thank us. You we so appreciate much. it. You've been yeah. so enlightening. Yes. Thank you both. It was wonderful. See you at ASHA, I hope. See you at ASHA. ASHA. Yes, you're our booth 1747. Yeah, 1747. Yes. I don't know if that's near us or not. but Well, no. We're 896. But we'll see each other. We'll meet in person. (laughs) And hopefully you're feeling better by then. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. That's our show, everyone. Thanks for listening to SLP's Wine and Cheese. We have new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe. Also, we'd appreciate it if you'd like and review us on iTunes. If you love the show and want more bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash SLP's Wine and Cheese.